Hello and welcome back Boneheads. Once again this is Rich and I'm joined by Ben. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 3. On today's episode we're going to be talking about mixed teams again. We're going to be talking about terrain and obstacles in Blood Bowl as well as the usual games, hobby, news and star players. We also have an international guest with us today. Fresh from Australia, we've got our friend from Wobble, the Iron Man, Rick. Hello. How are you doing today Rick? Yeah, good, good. Lovely job. Thank you very much for joining us. So Rick, how did you get into Blood Bowl? Gosh, it's going back almost to 1987. I think I, I saw Blood Bowl on a on a shelf in a shop and was intrigued, and so I saved up my pocket money and and bought it. Yeah, went from there. Gosh, I, through school, met guys that were also intrigued. I mean, this is early days, isn't it? Proper so, early days. So not only is Rick the Iron Man of Blood Bowl and has everything. Um, the reason he has everything is because he is a 31-year Blood Bowl veteran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably why he did so well in our last league. Yes, very well. Yeah. Frustratingly so. Hit to the peg by Lewis. <laughs> the friendliest game I've ever seen. I know, their last game they played was an insanely friendly one. This, oh, one was, more, <laughs> this was more like polite silence. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a tough one, actually. Lewis played, played very well on that one. Rick, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, now we're going to move into our first topic. Okay, wonderful. So, over to Blood Bowl News. Rich, what have you got for us this week? Not a huge amount, unfortunately. There is nothing going on in the world of Kickstarter or Indiegogo. I suppose it's, it's summer. It is. Everyone's wrapped up. Everyone's spent all their money, apparently. <laughs> but there is a new video game coming out, Blood Bowl Death Zone. Basically, it's a 1v1 game, playing online against another coach. You pick a star player, pick a team, and then a sponsor, and then just literally go for it. 5v5, it's just a new Blood Bowl. That sounds, good. that sounds good. I can't believe I've missed this. I know. I, I, something that I've only just discovered and came out about two, three weeks ago. Brilliant. Well, we'll have to download that and give it a go and see what we see what we go on with. It's fairly cheap as well. Like you can pick it up for ten dollars. I think it is. So it's, is this on Steam? On Steam. But no, it does look quite good. A bit of fun. Um, it's more real time as opposed to turn by turn based. Don't know the ins and outs, but I will discover. I will spend money and I will come <laughs> back with more information. <laughs> so good for a quick bubble. Really, definitely good for a quick. Blubble. What was it called again? Blood Bowl Death Zone. Blood Bowl Death Zone. I think yeah. there's an app already. Blood Bowl Death Zone. But, um, if I download it now, we'll never finish recording. No. <laughs> <laughs> It'll still be here next week. Okay, was there anything else miniature-based news? We have our first casting of our Bonehead Ogre miniature. So last week, uh, Rich surprised me. I mean, we, I knew I paid for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> knew we were getting a model sculpted. And he surprised me mid-recording about showing us some pictures and what it would look like. We've now got the master copy. We've got a master copy each. We've got a master copy each of the model, and it looks great fun. It looks awesome. Absolutely awesome. We've already got the production set up as well. So hopefully we'll have a, a few more coming. We'll um, pop this straight on Facebook and Twitter as soon as we get some decent models, and we're yes. going to start painting mine up. But basically what we want to do is we want to get our production ones on the go, so we can get our... Our buddy Ian, yes, uh, award-winning, award-winning painter Ian, friend of the boat, friend of the show. Um, we're going to get him to paint one up, make it look as good as it possibly can. It's got quite an old-school feel to it. Mm. It's a bit skinnier than some of the new models, but he's still had a big presence. I'll put yeah. mine on a 40 mil base. Just yeah, I think it makes sense. He's 45 mil to the top of the head of one of the heads. Yeah, he dwarfs the chaos players. Yeah, so mm. that's his strength four base. He's obviously strength five. Yes. Just, uh, yeah. So what we'd like to do is once we get the model painted up and we've got a good, a good demo of him, we'll pop him out there because we would love for you guys to start brewing up some rules for him. Oh, I was going to say, is there some star player rules? Well, we've had a couple of ideas, but yeah. actually it seems like too much fun to, to just do it ourselves. Up. Yeah. 
I can see you starting to think of the rules <laughs> cogs are turning. Yeah, it's just I just I would very much like it if we didn't uh, if nobody suggested rolling bonehead twice. Um, yes, that might just be one of the least fun things you can do in the ball. Yeah. However, throwing teammate twice would be excellent. So extra points for that. Yeah, with regards to like miniatures, that's obviously the most important miniature news you'll probably hear in August. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, but I thought I'd chat about a company that I've used previously. So I, after joining you guys, very shortly after joining you guys, decided to have a mat made uh, with my blood ball pitch on. So logo for my Helmgard rooks. The human team, the only human team in Wobble. Yeah, and renowned for having at least two strength ball blitzers. At all times, yeah. regardless. I bought one of their mats a short while ago, and I brought it with me to discuss, to look at, give some free publicity to. That's right. So, what material is it made of? It's neoprene, so it's basically like a, a mouse mat. It is stitched all around the outside, so there's no loose ends, there's no sort of frayed bits that can come loose or, or otherwise. So it's a blood bowl pitch size mouse mat. It's, it's bigger than a blood bowl pitch. Um, so you've got some excellent design features. So what else have they added it for you for? So we've got the the standard sort of benches, the injury box and all that. We've got the turn counters, scores, re-rolls, as well as the scatter template, the throwing template, the kickoff table, the injury table, and a, a, a helpful little thing to make sure you know how to play the kick. But all of it's completely customizable. That is really, really, really clever. The like colours, the, you can change exactly what it is, the Vidigar sort of, whether it's grass, whether it's astro granite, he's got graphics for all. Fantastic, to be honest. He's included my logo, which I got from a very cheap gentleman on Fiverr. <laughs> Brilliant. As well as changing sort of the, the skulls on the, the injury box and otherwise to, to rook skulls. So, so, Rick, you've got almost everything that has ever been made for Blood Bowl. How would you feel about picking up one of these nuts? I'm really impressed with the quality. Really impressed, actually. I, I haven't got a neoprene fill and, uh, yet. 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 <laughs> and, uh, this is fantastic. Now, I know you've, you've got a Dentist Titanic is coming out this summer, so that's probably where most of mine and Rick's money is going to go on, on the hobby budget for this month. But at some point, I think I might have to pick up one of these nuts as well. So, where did you get it from? It's a uh, gentleman who is coming called Maelstrom Gaming Mats. M A E L S T R O N. We'll put a, a link in there. Yeah. In the water. Guy in Canada um, makes it all. Doesn't make them in Europe at the moment purely because he can't find the quality he wants. So he's not skimping on quality at all. Um, a one-man band, but he's also started doing um, mats for BB Sevens tournaments. Oh, brilliant! And, oh, and otherwise, mm. so he's he's branching out of what he's doing. His website is including goblin-style pitches, swamp pitches, oh, dwarf pitches, a college rules type of pitch. So that sort of fun feel, I suppose. But can customize anything you like. The stuff he does is fantastic. It cost me about a hundred quid, including delivery. Well, having scratch built a couple of blood ball boards in my time, and I think yeah. Rick can back me up on this one. Hundred quid is probably good effort. I think it's good it's value. really good quality. Really he, good. He value takes his time. He'll talk to you about what you actually want, what you don't yeah. want. If you don't like something, he'll change it, and he'll he will spend time making sure that it's right for you. Like I've got the the slogan of my guys in the end zone. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. just something that's a bit different and it's just it's fantastic plus it's rollable like you can roll it up stick a couple of elastic bands around it and take it wherever you want which well, is what yeah. I'm doing on Saturday yeah exactly <laughs> very useful for taking to tournaments so yes. I'm planning on building a proper 3D thing but I think a rollable mount is going to be far more sensible I will enjoy watching you carry <laughs> helps with the ever, the, the ever problem of storage as well yeah doesn't it just it doesn't fit on a table 
Does it fit on a table? Not normally. I always see like a living room table. On a living room table. Oh yeah, it would fit on a on any sort of normal gaming table. But on a living room table, it, it, it overhangs and obviously if it's fabric, as it is, it, it doesn't really stand well. <laughs> when so, you need it so if you've got a small table or you've only got a coffee table, you do need a bit of 3x2 MDF or something. Yeah, just to be able to yeah. keep it rigid, but it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I feel a bit better about that. So, yeah. so I'll just be carrying my board and you'll be carrying a bit of MDF and the roll. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I still think you win out of this one. That's yeah, brilliant. That looks brilliant. really great. So that's male strong mats. Yep. And um, like Rich said, we'll pop the link into the show notes. So, a couple of other things that are kicking around. It's not exactly news, but it is things that are upcoming. So there's um, there's some Blood Bowl tournaments that some of our listeners would like us to talk about very quickly. Yep. The first one is in September, so September the 15th. So fast coming up, but probably be about two weeks before the, uh, two weeks after this episode airs. Yep. But it's the Stunty Slam, hosted at Element Games in Stockport, England. Yes. It is a Stunty Cup. Which is brilliant. So the Goblin Halfling Ogre Underworld with no Skaven. So my Skaven team wouldn't be allowed to play. No Fumble teams? No. No, no it's just uh, actual Blood Bowl, Stunty, plus the Underworld, which is really good. Which is understandable. Yeah. I get it. There's still a lot of fun to have in there. Two mm. mutated trolls and a bunch of goblins with claw and stuff, I think, would be brutal. Yeah. Great yeah. fun. Uh, I, I would play that. I think I'd probably get Mutation on, yeah. I'm all over that. A lot of fun for that. So that's the 15th of September, Stunty Slam. We've got the North Wales Carnage Cup coming up in November. Yes, we're hoping to attend. We are hoping to attend that one. That's the 17th of November, and that's in Wrexham, UK. So that looks like it's uh, the NAF teams plus Bretonian and Corn. Yes. Which is good, so there'll be some interesting teams there. That one's a four-rounder. It is a four-rounder. So we're looking at a four-round drive, four four games of Blood Bowl, and then four hours back. Yes. And a hotel stay. I think, yeah. I think, hotel yeah, I think, you know, we have a few beers in the evening. It would be a shame, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The last one I've got written down is the River City Dungeon Bowl uh, on the 8th of December. This one is in Jacksonville, Florida at uh, Cool Stuff Games. And it is a Dungeon Bowl tournament. Mm. So it looks like they rotate fixed dungeon maps between them. Probably less random, more open to, yep. to give that. I haven't read the rules back to see how they're going to manage the time on that because obviously the last Dungeon Bowl game I witnessed due to my own fault of not creating the rules, um, did last a little bit while, so it would be interesting to see how they run a tournament for that. But, yeah, really, really excited for that. And we've got Marnival coming up. Uh, we would have already been by the time we finished this episode. Yeah, yeah. So this coming weekend. It is. Have you got your team list sorted? No. No? Oh, no. Have I got the team list? Oh, no. 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 <laughs> Honestly, uh, this, is, this is how tournaments work. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, it's okay. I've budgeted time for it. We're going on Saturday? We are going Saturday. Yeah, I budgeted Friday night to think like <laughs> I think I've got Wednesday. Other than that, it's um, it's trying to fight the wife and kids to get the time. Unlike Rick, if I gave it to him, he'd knock it out in about three hours. And, uh, and away. Only on a Saturday morning when okay. I'm watching Aussie Rules. <laughs> Only on a Saturday morning watching Aussie Rules. So on to games and hobby. Let's start with Rick. So yes. Rick, what games have you played? Football. Oh, good, good. Yeah, that's a good start. <laughs> On topic. Uh, what did you get in game-wise? Uh, well, I guess the last few games have been mixed teams. Yes. We've just been trying some mixed teams. So I, I played a game against Rich and a game against Ben. And did you guys get a game in? We did. Yes, we did. It was appalling. It wasn't as bad as, as, as our game for me. But I, I lost to you. You did lose to me. I didn't even know that. When, I think a lot of my people died. I, the the injury in the decay of Oxford you was not a pretty sight. Yeah, I think there's pictures of it somewhere. Isn't there? there is pictures of it yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Not going to post evidence. I might. <laughs> <laughs> but 
no, it was um, it was a it was a heavy hitting game, but great fun. Very great fun. We'll, we'll talk about mixed teams a little later on. Well. We, you know, Rick has been helping us out and uh, playing some games with some some random rules that we put together. Trying and helped us put together, which mm. was brilliant. What teams did you play, Rick? Uh, what did I play? I played Wood Elves and Halflings. That was great fun. That uh, was crazy. Yeah. That was against my ogre and orc team. No, yes, it was. Was it ogres and orcs? Ogres and orcs. Yeah. yeah. Double O. That was it. Um, Ogres and Orcs. That was great fun. Why was that great fun? And women halflings can't catch. I'll tell you that. Can't catch, but goblins and snoppings can fly. <laughs> Seeing three tree men on one side of the pitch yep. was, was gratuitous. Yeah, it, it, was, yeah, it really was. That was actually. great fun. It, it was scary. <laughs> it's difficult to counteract that. And then uh, we got that game in when you were playing. Yes, and what did I play there? Wood Elves and... Dwarves. And dwarves. And what a great combo. It was insanely good. However, I don't think it was broken. I think I just played it wrong. Because there's definitely vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. You know, you take out the wood elves, you're left with just dwarves. And I know we talked about that. And um, you played a hell of a game. What was the final score? Four one, wasn't it? It was at least four one. It may have been <laughs> five, five one. Yeah. It, it, it was. Look, I only took dwarf linemen. Yep. Uh, so if I'd lost wood elves, that's uh, what I should have done. I should have just forgotten about that, disengaged, and gone after the war dancers or the catchers. If I'd taken out two of your catchers, mm-hmm. it would have made a big difference. You still have war dancers, who are the best player in the game for for, the, for a reason. Mm-hmm. Can't believe they're uh, in the K, yeah, expensive than guts of us. Thoroughly impressed with war dancers. Yeah, yeah. fragile. They're not that well. Armor seven. I think I did manage to knock one out. At if one you point. get a power, it, it, it starts to get a little bit scary. Yeah, well, take me with a big boy. Lodge leap. Brilliant but it was a really nice combo to, to, to play with. Actually, both of them. The, the, the Halflings and Wood Elves and Wood Elves and Dwarves were great fun. Yeah. Great fun. Good. So you got a good couple of great fun games in. Mm-hmm. I played a BB7s with Ian. Oh, did you really? While you two were playing your, your mixed team, me and Ian got a BB7s game yes, in. Yes, you did. Oh, brilliant. Playing so. Lucky Dip with Rick's teams. <laughs> that was great. So, that was great. Right. Yeah. So, uh, at Rick's abode... There is a, um, a, a set of drawers, and you open it up, and there are teams, Blood Bowl teams. In. So instead of me and Ian picking a team, we decided to pick a draw. And then whatever draw was picked, we used that team. It's the most respectable game finding system I've ever seen. It's beautiful. You walk into his lounge, he's got some beautifully handcrafted tables. Oh all. my lord. And on the side, he's got a load of, you know, drawers. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, uh, that makes sense. This is very cute. It's always money. Um, <laughs> much, 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 much <laughs> and uh, no, in every single draw is about four, three or four blood ball teams. Yeah, and it was amazing. And yes, you did actually just go right in, left, middle, right. Which yep. draw do you want? And so right, left hand side, third draw from the bottom, or something like that. Yeah, and orcs came out. Yeah, and then I I picked mine from the right side, I think, and I came out with lizardmen. So we created a team each there and then, and and Ian handed my arse to me. Quite <laughs> 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 simply. But I love it. Did you take any rerolls this time? No. No. Uh, did Ian take any rerolls? Oh no, I did. I took a reroll. Oh. And Ian didn't. Well, I'll tell you what, the experience of playing Blood Bowl 7 and not having rerolls has, has made me think about my Stunty Cup weekend team. Um, instead of taking an extra reroll, I'm putting six into Fan Factor. Because oh, if wow. I can win the fame bonus, not only would it be good for uh, brilliant coaching, yeah. which apparently comes up all of the 
the time. Cheering. Yeah. Cheering fans, brilliant coaching, you get the bonuses for that. But also, if you get the throw a rock. So yeah. I'm thinking, actually, instead of that re-roll, I might get a re-roll you could get based on brilliant coaching. You know, that's not bad thinking, because the the, uh, the mixed teams, you're limited with re-roll options. And Halfling and Wood Elf team that I played against you, Rich, mm. I had the pain. You did. And that gave me bonus re-rolls. Uh, Every one I play against gets the bonus re-rolls. <laughs> well, that was it. And, and that picks up what you need. You know, it's yeah, it was good. It does come through, and it's I've enjoyed playing with fewer re-rolls because I'm thinking more about what I'm doing as opposed to going, you know what, let's just yeah. go for it. Yeah. I've got a re-roll. What does it matter? And you actually start thinking tactically as opposed to just going, ah, it's all right. I've got five re-rolls and a lever. It's fine. Yeah, we'll just make that block anyway and go for it. I can re-roll it. It'll probably be fine. No, you play to the ball, you play to the game. Yes. Yeah, you um, do. Exactly, and I feel that potentially next league, I probably won't take any more than three rerolls anyway. Mm. I'll do it because I'll it's just. <laughs> <laughs> and why is that, Rick? I'm doing vampires. And how many how many rerolls are you planning on taking? I'll go with five. You're going to go for five and two wow. maps. Five and two maps. Yeah. Brilliant. So building and gluing. Rick, have you done any hobby this month? Uh, I have been, as you guys know, I've been working on my dungeon bowl board and. Oh. Uh, it's finished. It's finished? Mm. What did you get done for it? So we had a trial game, but at that stage, to explain, it's multi-level. What it doesn't have is access to the different levels, except by the teleporters. It's a bit of a trade-off in there. <laughs> and that became, yeah, in our practice game I had with Lewis, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, it, it's too random, and you, you never get to the end zone. Yeah. So... So Thanks to yourself, now got some what I call teleport doors, which are color coded. Yeah. So effectively, a passageway to different levels. Yeah. You, you go through a blue door, you'll come out at the blue door on the next level, or if you go through a green door, you'll come out at a green door at the next level. So you can now pick and choose how you want to navigate through the dungeon. So is each door paired with one of the door of the same color? Same no, color? no. So I have two sets of doors that will take you to. You can choose the level you want oh, to go okay, to. Mm-hmm. So from the top level, you could choose to go to one board on one level or another board on the bottom level. Ah, that's clever. And then I have another set of doors that will go from the top level to the end zone level. Cool. Those are going to be important doors. <laughs> that, they will be. So, <laughs> so you yeah. still got the teleporters there. You're still bringing your reserves on through the teleporters. That all works, but you now have essentially passageways to, to navigate around and, and have a little bit more. That is a very clever way around it. Are, we, are, you, are you thinking you're going to need to roll any things to roll any dice to get through those doors, or just a straight? No, yeah. no, no, it's a passageway. I love that. I See, that. I, I disagree. I, I like the idea of a, a baleful round gate type of rule. <laughs> you roll a dice on a one, disappears forever. It would be kind of brutal if you were taking the safe route because. The routes are longer going through those doors, aren't they? They're quite yes. a, yeah. So you're not going to save a lot of time. So it makes sense. So you can you can try and be cheeky, go in the teleporter, hopefully coming out in the in the in their dugout, essentially, ready to score. Or you can go through the doors, take a longer route. So what that's really going to do is it's going to give you two avenues to defend as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Because you're going to have to defend again. Right? Are they going to go the direct route through the doors? So yeah. I can take and hold that door, but I also got to defend my teleporter because they're just going to pop out. It's going to be a real problem. See, that, that will be great fun. So, look, it, it's a different take on the Dungeon Bowl. However, I, I think it needs a bit of playtesting. Um, Definitely. Uh, now, we'll see how we go. I do have to correct you very briefly. You said it was complete, but we all know that it's missing two two, uh, two more end zones. 
Yeah, yeah, a four-way dungeon bomb yes. would be great. I don't know how we're going to make that one work, but if anyone's going to do it, it's you. It is definitely you. Yeah, no yeah. pressure, no pressure. But uh, look forward to seeing it in September. I no, really done an amazing job with that dungeon bomb board. It looks brilliant. It does look and, uh, when you get back for your travels around the world, I certainly want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Want to, but, yeah good mixed teams as well. But I have to there. say that the, the the terrain on the boards, I, I, I found really good fun and. I know you've made another board up. Yeah, oh yeah. That, and that, uh, uh, Ian and Lewis played with. And that gets the cogs ticking over with, with introducing traps and and uh, various bits and bobs. Yeah, traps would be great fun to do. And uh, we'll talk about that one a little bit later as well. Yes. Basically, we've gone crazy for some extra rules in this last few weeks and we've just had a really great time. <laughs> it's been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Drag Rick in here to talk about them. So, yes. uh, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Rich, have you been painting anything? I did. I've done some painting. Have you been painting what you should paint? A little bit. <laughs> no more ogres, but I've done a bit more work on the um on the runs and the sonics. So um I've got a few more base colours down. Not as much as I want. I really need to crack on with it. Right. But I did finish off my Minotaur from my Renegades. Oh brilliant. Because I finally decided that enough was enough and he was looking a bit bland. And you've gone for a slightly different skin colour with him from a normal one. He's bright red. Yeah. <laughs> They're all bright red. And it looks really good. All of my Chaos Renegades. It ties them in together, makes it look different, but actually, yeah, great model. Corn loves them greatly. <laughs> corn loves them greatly. Corn touched. Corn touched. Touched by corn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I actually did a little bit, which is nice. I felt like I accomplished something. <laughs> I've also done a little bit, not enough, but a little bit. I did build all my horrors now. So yes. I've got my team. Um, it's Monday today. Is it tournaments on Saturday, so I build them, and all I've got to do now is is is, is paint them. So uh, yeah, easy be, bit. Yeah, that'll be easy. Fortunately, <laughs> they're, they're most they're just blue horrors, um, so just blue and some washes. I think I'll probably be able to get away with it. I don't have that luxury. Do you need some washes? Uh, no, I, I need to be able to layer them as well. <laughs> Highlight yeah. them. However, the paint scheme you've gone for is really good. Yes. I'm a bit, I'm a bit concerned. My horrors are just going to end up looking like horrors from Sigma. That is what they are, but because they've got no, they don't have there isn't much to them, is there? No, they've got daggers and some flames and things, which I think look cool enough for it to be. But I don't know. That's no, not it's not going to win you an award, is it? It's not. No, Ian will be disappointed. Oh, well, I'm not Ian. <laughs> Nobody is. I'm, I'm not that skilled <laughs> or patient at all in any way, shape, or form. I did see you putting some dark elves together too, didn't I? I have yet to build the dark elves. I was building the Vansars. Oh, that yeah, was it. Yeah. I was building my Necromunda team, the kill team. So two for one on that one, but uh, <laughs> and that was just the most. So there will be some listeners out there that have built the pro elves, and there will be some listeners out there that, like me, built the pro elves at one o'clock in the morning on release day because you're excited. <laughs> and anybody who did that will, will remember that building those elves tired is difficult. Anybody who wants to build the Vansars, just be awake, have eight coffees, <laughs> um, but not so much your handshake, just so much your hyper alert because their arms are in three pieces. But I still I'm need not, to build the dark I'm not convinced by the complexity of these. The new Games Workshop kits? Uh, look, they're great. I, I, I'm loving them, don't get me wrong. But I'm just not sure I'm understanding why they need to be so complex when they're, they're fixed positions. So you've built your Dark Elves now, haven't you? I have. How, did you, how do you think they compared to some of the other kits, that, the Blood Bowl kits that well, Games Workshop have had out? The Pro Elves had those faces to put on. And it's great, it gives a bit of... But they were But they're so small, they're a pain in the ass. Dark Elves had even smaller oh, no. pieces to put on, and some of them were really... You, you do it, but 
but it's painful. You, don't you, need you to. just sit there wondering if you really need to be doing this. So once you've built them, if you look at the human team and the orc team and the Skaven team, yes. Okay, Skaven tails break, but Skaven tails have been breaking since they made Skaven. Mm. That's fine. Yeah. Um, it's before. But yeah, I, I don't. The models look great, but I don't know if the, if there's enough to make it worth that hassle. Because the great thing about the human, the Skaven, and the orc team is the starter set. Anybody could just grab a kit, put it together, and the dwarves. And the dwarves, exactly. Yeah. Uh, my only issue with the dwarves is the number plate on the back. Is it a separate it piece? It looks like it is a separate piece. It's a yeah, tiny it little piece, and it looks square until you try putting it in. And you've got to put it in the slight. You've got to find the right way around. Yeah. Because it's slightly chamfered. And that round me up something chronic. <laughs> so, so they've got progressively more complicated. So they went with dwarves, then they went to elves. They have. Dark and I just wonder, I, I look. I get the complexity if you've got a miniature that you can choose how to put together. Yes. Mm-hmm. But these aren't. They're, they're fixed shapes. I, I, I've got a theory behind this. And it's that Games Workshop hates elves as much as I do. <laughs> they're trying to make everybody else hate them as well. Oh my god, can you imagine what the Wood Elf kit's going to be like? It's going to be like Lego. I don't want any more elves. Tiny Lego bells. We spoke about this. My money is on Wood Elves being one of the next teams Games yeah. Workshop brings out. Really? I'm going for Undead. Undoubt. I think both those teams would sell really well. Kemri. Kemri? That would be incredible if they did that. I reckon there's a lot of love going around for Kemri at the moment. There's a lot more want for Team Kings and things like that on other sides. I just feel it's it's, it's the one aspect of the game that you're missing. You've got your dwarves, your elves, your humans, your orcs, your goblins. You've got a chaos team. Yeah. You you haven't got something that represents the undead. The undead you can easily bash. bash Not so much a Kemri. Quite specific, isn't it? Camry is yeah probably one of the tricky ones that are out yeah. there at the moment to build. Um, I still think ball centaurs need to happen. Although they do. there's a great little conversion on the bubble community. It was a fantastic little conversion. Chaos warrior chariot horse, horse. bodies. Yes. But the guy did use a forge world chaos war, so that's a what, thirty pounds. You need to buy ten. I don't know if you're going with five mates to build two centaurs each, that'll be alright. But mm. I don't know. Yeah. To, to be honest, I'd do with that. Yeah. I need a couple. <laughs> Alright, well that's, that's two, so that's four. Yep, we're halfway there. If anyone else would completion completionist, Rick, I'm sure you yeah. want. No? Rick's got the originals, I imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tony Stark. <laughs> Brilliant. Last thing, anyone planning on buying anything for Blood Bowl coming out? Jordel. Jordel is coming out. I've not seen release dates or anything like that. And I've got Bugman. Oh, you picked up Bugman? It's not arrived yet. Shame. I'm not planning on buying anything yet. I actually want to complete with what I've got, but then there's not much else I want, Blood Bowl wise. Well, we're just about to go to this tournament, aren't we? Yeah. And then we're going to look at going to one in November. Yes. I've not looked too much at the rules pack. They've got Bretonians and they've got corn. 1.2 million. Oh, that's quite cool. But I didn't think there was any sort of stats okay, packs on top, so. But the thing for me is that you've got the Necromunda team there. And you've got the Necromunder gang, the Cordor guys. Yes. Or Caldor, I'm not sure how to say it. I'm going to go with Cordor. I'm going to go with Cordor. Aren't they, isn't Raven there? Like a... I don't know. But they are very Bretonian looking, and I think there's a team in there. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I, see that. I think there's a Bretonian team in there, and I think I'm going to struggle not to have a go. So, on to our first topic of the episode mixed teams. So, last episode we 
banded around some ideas on how you could combine two teams. They're more like hybrid teams than mixed teams. Yes. Pick one, pick another, choose some players. Minimum of four. Minimum of four. And the rerolls are the most expensive one, plus ten, but you get a fan factor for each one. You do. The idea being actually it takes a bit more money to coach these guys to work between each other. So since then, Rick was very excited and offered to help us out. Yep. So we played a few games with mixed teams. Spoke about that earlier on. Rick, how did you find running mixed teams? I loved it. I actually, I'd almost say I wish this was a more regular uh, occurrence. I thought, I, exactly I thought the same thing. I did that too. it worked so well <laughs> together. <laughs> I'm a bit, I'm a bit sad about going back to regular one, one team teams, one team yeah. teams now. So which teams did you run? So I did Wood Elves and Halflings. So what did you run in that team? <clears throat> well, I had the three Treeman option. Well, that's just that's just great to start with. And two War Dancers. So. Less great. My huge, <laughs> you know, huge chunk of points went into five players. So we ran this with standard one million. Yep. So standard one million teams, non-league, just one game off. Yep. Um, but you know what? It worked perfectly. I had a, I think I had a thrower, wood elf thrower, and then halflings. And it was great. It was a great mix. So wood elves with throw teammates. That's the yes. best. That's the best team upgrade I can think. Of. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I did it very well, but that's um, brilliant. Um, what was your second game? What did you run in that? Uh, so second game was wood elves and dwarves. I ran six dwarf blockers. Yep. Two war dancers, a thrower, and two catchers. Okay. So when we were talking about the rules, I think we did talk elves and dwarves and how that might be one of the most power gamey things you can do at Blood Bowl, but I, it wasn't that power. Okay, the score was, was ridiculous in the end. It's four or five one, because he played against me and I ran my <laughs> I ran my Skaven Goblins, which Oof. wasn't Skaven Goblins. Skaven Underworld. Skaven Chaos. Yes, it was Skaven <coughs> Chaos. So I ran yeah. my Skaven Chaos against you. And you know what? I didn't play as good as I should have done that. I, and halfway through the game, I thought to myself, ah, I've, I've done this wrong. And you know what? If I had taken out a couple of your elf players, it would have made it so much harder for you to score like you did. And you played it really well. And I was a bit worried about the wood elf dwarf combination because actually they're, they're two of the, the best teams. Yeah. Two of the, 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 the war, war dancers are just war dancers phenomenally are good. But it didn't feel completely broken. I, I, I did feel like I could have done something different. How about you, Rich? Which teams did you run? I ran Ogres and Orcs. Brilliant. Against Rick against the Wood Elves and Harplings, which I had two Ogres. That was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> I had two Ogres, a Black Orc Blitz, a Black Orc Blocker, two Blitzers, a Thrower, a Lineman, and the rest were Snotlings, Runs. And um, I think I had 13 players total, one or two rerolls, because my rerolls are 80,000 apiece. Okay. They weren't cheap, but... Was great fun. I attempted to intercept the throne teammate, <laughs> failed unfortunately. I was excited. That would have been a super moment. I think I rolled a five instead of a six and, and cried inside a little. But yeah, all, it was a three all match in the end. Wasn't it? Three all match. All three of your touchdowns were throw teammate. Throw teammates with a succession of good rolls. Yes, I was very lucky with the dice rolls. You pulled um, a couple of yourself there, really, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, less, but I'm renowned for. <laughs> Um, uh, no, I never had a, I, I never got a successful throw teammate, but I did manage to chuck a few halflings down that way. You threw the halfling all the way to the other side, and he only failed because he rolled a one on a go for it in the end zone. 
Yes, yes that's that very true. That would have been, I think, a one-turn touchdown. And then that same halfling failed to catch the ball to win the game, but... And turn 16. And turn 16. Yeah, I think I saw that model in the road. Um, yeah. <laughs> if anyone's got a spare halfling, Rick could use a replacement. No, brilliant. I made some terrible team choices based on the models that I had at hand. So, recently I've moved house, so most of my stuff is in storage still, except yes. for the ones I carry around in my car. So, I played against both of you. When I played against Rick, I took my Skaven and Chaos. My thinking was, you know what, I can chuck some, some beef into my Skaven, because when I play Skaven, it's all about the gutter runners and just human shield, the rest of it. So I thought, actually, Chaos, strength for human shields. And some of my basic game plan worked okay, but the lack of block, with rerolls being more expensive, and only running two gutter runners, I didn't, I, I feel like I, I didn't get, I didn't really get the team I was trying to play. Yeah. It was fun, though. And it was fun, and I didn't mind, but it was a great challenge. So you've got a new team you're playing against a new team you've never played against, and it was wonderful to be playing Blood Bowl for the first time, but just at a more advanced level. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, choosing Wood Elves and Dwarves, to be fair, I thought I was choosing a team with skills. So, you know, the, the Dwarf Linemen are just, they're, they're skilled up. The Dwarf Linemen are brilliant. Fantastic. The Thrower has passed. The War Dancers have everything. Um, <laughs> everything. And you, you, you know, so I, I do get it. It's a, it's, it's a strong, you've, you've got, you've got a well nice front team. line with agile players that can perform because they've got skills. But I think you could take those guys out. I think, I don't think, yeah. I don't think, I think that team could be beaten. And like mm -hmm. I said, by taking out the elves, I think what I went for wasn't ideal. And my other team was just for fun. Like, <laughs> Skaven and goblins. So basically it was half a Skaven team and special weapons with goblins chucked in there as well. And it was great fun. Uh, so many of my guys died. Yeah, I, I decimated them. <laughs> it was amazing. But then I brought a, a heavy team. You were, were you running double chaos, weren't you? Chaos and Nurgle. Yeah, amazing. The strength, of, well, the, the resilience of that team was, was brilliant. And you did keep Nano blitzing the Fnatic, which, yeah. by the way, is a brilliant tactic to take yeah. out that special weapon, because as soon as you knock him down, he's gone. Yes. So that was really good. Called the referee, rolled a six, which was great, so I got to use him twice. But it was great fun to be able to chuck in some secret weapons with my Skaven team. But again, my strategy wasn't there, but it was still just so much But it's got potential. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Chaos team more than I did the Ogres and Orcs. Although it, although the ogres had the throw teammate, it was just the the dominance you can put on a chaos and Nurgle team against others is insane. I ran the beast of Nurgle, two chaos warriors, the the Nurgle warrior, yeah, Bestigor, four or five rotters, and a minotaur. Not Bestigor, beastman, yeah, and a minotaur, and just I, I kept the the Nurgle warrior behind the. the the Beast of Nurgle, so you never had an issue. Plus, if you had anything close on a throw, it was, you had two lots of disturbing presence. Which was really useful. So I actually felt that the, the way that you guys came up with the, the, the rule composition for building a team worked really well. Yeah. So when you were picking your team, what were you thinking about, Frick? I think the first one was Wood Elves and Halflings, and I, I just wanted to have a bit of fun. I, I wanted to use Halflings, I wanted to give them a go, and I thought... That there's a chance to put three treatment on the front line, and that was great as well. And it wasn't broken. No, it wasn't at all. It was. It was. It brought a yeah. different, a different plus side and a different downside. The plus side being is you had about 18 strength on the line. <laughs> yeah. Um, and armor 25. And yet, yeah. he managed to knock down. Rich managed to knock down my three treatment in one. Yeah. 
on one of the drives all yeah. three were down so it was almost impossible for you to get them back up again I had to focus on them yeah. because there wasn't an option and granted I had the ogres but I still needed to bring a couple of guys in to be able to assist on that and sacrifice the, the black hawk <laughs> on several occasions until I managed to get one of the other ones but down. You, you do you, you sit there when you're building these teams you do sit there and think about what combinations are really going to work you, you know for me the, the wood elf and halfling went together very naturally went together pretty and good. the dwarf and the wood elf went together very naturally I think provided you get the composition right between the teams you're using there's not necessarily a bad combination having said that an ogre and a halfling team could be just <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> I don't know, that'd be great. Treeman, ogres, snotlings. Oh my. Ooh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. well, snotlings are so cheap and they still have three teammates. You could run. And Titchy. Yeah. Two plus dodger. Absolutely. Yeah, right. See, that's just great fun. Mm-hmm. Well. Side step. Um, I think we figured out that there's nearly 550 different blood teams. Yeah, just over, I think it was. Yeah, so you're playing that against 550 other blood teams. It's an incredible 25,000 games. It would make a fantastic tournament. It would make a great tournament. We need a mixed team. Bonehead tournament. Super League. Super League. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a bit of a throwback <clears throat> to the old Dungeon Bowl team compositions in some respects. Well, this is what inspired it. Mm. It's because we're looking at the Dungeon Bowl... Well, there's a Dungeon Bowl video game and there's the old Dungeon Bowl rules pack. And all those teams were based on one main race, one other race, and then the big guy. You were, every, team, every team basically had to be from multiple races, mm. which made it different, which made it really interesting. You have elves and dwarves and humans with norse and you know minotaurs everywhere, and that's what kind of that's what that's what made us think about what we could do with this, and it was great fun. It, it, look, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. It was nice to be able to look at something and not know exactly what you want to do with it or how to go about it. And although you've got the the, the, the mixture of the two, granted, the, the chaos team and the nurgle team are very similar in the way they play. You still had to be aware of what was going on. I mean, having a tentacled player being able to, to tie up anything that was remotely trying to dodge out, which you struggled with oh, man. two Good. or three occasions. Gutter runners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. having tentacles, being those gutter runners in there absolutely just took out basically half my team. I didn't use <laughs> the, the beast for blocking very often. Literally just for, for just moving and placing. Blocked him up there and held people in the air, which was great, and then you could counter punch with the Minotaur. Yes. However, re-rolls, there weren't very many of them. I had one. Yeah, mm. but I don't think I used it in the first half of our game, and that's it because it limits. You say it limits your choices, but you play a little bit smoother and you just accept things, which makes for a quicker game. You play smarter. So I think when we were playing these games, actually they were probably about a quarter of an hour faster than a yeah. regular football game. Mm. You don't have the rerolls, yeah. and it just opened up a whole load of different tactics. Yes. So I think this could be a really great way of of taking Blood Bowl competitive level. To the next stage. Yeah. Because at the moment you've got step pieces, you've got six different teams, you've got optimal builds for them, and you see people run them. That's why tournaments tend to do like uh, 1100 and some skills, 1200 and some skills, which is a great way of, again, they're doing the same thing that we were doing, which is taking Blood Bowl, making it slightly different, and increasing the chunk, increasing their choices. Yeah. This could be great fun. So, yes, Rich, I think a, a, you know, a one day, three round tournament with uh, mixed teams. Would be absolutely that great would be fun. Great fun yeah, actually, yeah. New Forest with three teammate rules. Of course, the three teammate rules. Do you think mixed teams like this would work in a league environment? Yes. In amongst standard teams, you mean? In amongst yes. standard teams, I reckon so. I think you would initially feel stung because of the cost of the rerolls. 
initially. Yeah, you'd, but, have, a, you'd have a slower burn. Yes, you would. But I think I don't think it's broken. It, it would be interesting to watch. I mean, I, I had very expensive players. Yes. You lose mm. some of those, and that will impact dramatically. You could yeah. have pro elf syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. If you lost a, you know, for example, in your in your wood elf dwarf thing, if you ran that in a league, and you lost a, a, a war dancer or a catcher, mm-hmm. you're waiting to three games to be able to rebuy one. You're playing with a lone alignment. And when you've got a wood elf and halfling combination. You know, those expensive players' loss would be a, a big loss because your halflings are going to get used as well. Would you have built your teams differently if you were starting a you know a, a six to ten game league as opposed to a one off match? No, go no. big or go home. No, brilliant. No, I'd love I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't be sacrificing it because it's it's one of those things where you want to, to start as strong as possible. There is always a risk of losing whoever. It doesn't matter. What game you play, you could. I, I, my very, very first game on Blood Bowl 2 online was a Chaos Team. And the very first turn was Throw a Rock. It hit my Minotaur and killed it. The very, <laughs> very first game, the very first turn, the very first action, Welcome to a Blood Rock Bowl. killed my Minotaur. And I rage quit. But it's just the way Blood Bowl is. You, you could lose anybody at any yeah. time. And if you go into it thinking, oh no, you know what, I might lose a war dance, I'm not going to do it yet. It, it, it is, but you're, you're, stemming, you're stemming your own... I guess in a league thing. you do have to think about it, don't you? Because, for instance, me playing vampires next season, I'm I'm deliberately choosing more re-rolls. That's what made me ask vampires. the question. And so would I, for instance, get a few more positional players and cut a treatment out yeah. of that mix? Yeah, or taking a, you know, for example, in your dwarf and elf team, would you have taken a couple of elf linemen instead of you know the thrower and a catcher there to get that extra re-roll with the view of buying them later on a slow burn so I think if you ran a league with mixed teams you'd start off with a lot of linemen from your split races and a few extra re-rolls to build up to that mm. so say so you're, you're in a position where you need a journeyman you bring in a linemen yeah. which race <clears throat> well the, the rule for bringing in the journeyman is a player from a 0 to 16 thing so in the undead teams where you've got two options of skeletons or zombies, you just get to pick. It would be the same. Oh, okay. What would be difficult is if you had, if, yeah, if you had an undead team and another team, you'd actually have a choice of three 0 to sixteen positional players to choose from. But yeah, it would balance out. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're still making a decision, aren't you? Yeah. And we get any more players, you just get a bigger choice. But what that would also do is that would give you a little bit of a way to manage your team value. If you were running a team where you had a choice of different linemen, you could take the 50k one to keep your team value down, or you could go, well, actually, I'll just take the 70k out of linemen or whatever. Ogres and Orcs. You could take a 20k snotling. That's it. That's a great shout. Yeah, you could buff that easily. You could chuck that straight in. I just think it opens up a whole load of interesting choices. Would you change anything, Ben, team-wise? Me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I basically put together what I had, as opposed to to what I, what I could have done. Yeah. That is exactly why I bought a dwarf team. So in the post today, my dwarf team. <laughs> because actually a dwarf human team would be something that thematically I'd love. That works really nicely. Yeah. I would paint them as, as a single team. Yes. And actually I'd like to try and see how that team progressed in like a spare kickabout league. Well now it's funny it. you say that because I was wondering, do yeah. I build a mixed team? Let's do it. And I just I think having the mixed team unified for a paint scheme and just well this is what we spoke about last last episode was that mixed team you build your franchise 
You really do. You've got a, you've got an identity. Yeah. Because there are so many different combinations. Uh, even if you know, even if I also went for a Chaos Nurgle team, the build would probably be slightly different, and we'd have a different feel. And uh, yeah, I just love the idea of having a franchise and being like, oh, which with what are you team you playing? I'm playing against the the, the, the Marauders. Well, I know that the Richard's Marauders are just a whole bunch of Chaos Scribblies. Then you've got that famous team feeling, that franchise team feeling yeah. that is developing and building its own story. Anything else you guys want to mention about mixed teams? Other than do it, no. No. I've got to give it a go. If you haven't tried it, try it. Yeah. Just yeah. have some fun. Get a couple of friends or just yeah. one friend. Just take some teams, put them together quickly. Just you'll see there's so much fun. Even if you're lucky dip it. The lucky dip put, put your hand in a pan. Even though you're on the, on the mixed teams. Yeah. So just put all of the teams twice. All the teams twice in a hat. See, I'm more of a okay. purist. I, I need to. I, I need to keep it. I need to keep the teams working. No. In 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 the in the. What were the alignments they should be in, I guess. <gasps> yep, I agree with alignments. But the thing you'll find is the teams we picked they were actually worked in basically an alignment fashion. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and it felt right. Mm. Dwarves and elves was a bit of a stretch, but you're paying that cost with re-rolls. Look, I'm not against it. By any means, but elves and orcs just doesn't work for me. No. Me neither. Dark elves, elves and orcs. Dark elves and orcs does. So, we spoke about choosing teams, we spoke about buying teams, we spoke about playing teams, yep. and we spoke about alignments, which we all think actually makes a lot of sense, and we yep. did it instinctively anyway. Yep. So yes, I think an orc human team would be fine, because I think humans would definitely be neutral, because they're everywhere, they're in all the chaos teams. Yeah, that's true. Right, wonderful. Let's go on to the next topic. Okay, brilliant. Now, our second topic with the episode is going to be about terrain and obstacles in Blood Bowl. So, I'm not sure if we've mentioned this before, but we like Dungeon Bowl. We like the idea of Dungeon Bowl. And in Dungeon Bowl was some rules for smacking people into walls and rules for statues and pits. As part of Rick building his Dungeon Bowl board, we had a load of walls and things that were left over from when we cast them up. So, we put them on bases and thought, you know what, let's, let's chuck them on a, on a Blood Bowl pitch and see what kind of effect it has on the game. So Rick was kind enough to play a game with me, and, and uh, so how did you find running with terrain in Blood Bowl? I loved it. I, I loved it. That's, that's great. So what we did was we started off the, the game, and we, we just had the, the, the plane pitch, and we alternated putting terrain on the board. Now that ranged from single square statues, so we had the one square statues, the one square stones, we had a two by two big statue, yeah. and we had a three by one wall each. Yeah. So we alternated placing them, put them in random positions, with a view at half time. We'd swap sides. Hmm. So we'd have. So yes. we'd have. Yeah. Yeah. The experience of both sides. Yeah. To try and brook it up a bit, but also because um, one of our one of the guys from our club even was talking about why don't we change pitch sides at half time? We did chat about that. Yeah. Because there's actually no difference. Yes. For most of it, but adding terrain and adding asymmetrical sides would have had that. Mm. So we took turns placing the terrain and what effect did you have that what do you think that had on the game Rick? Uh, surprisingly very little. The game was still free flowing. It was still blood you still have your you, you know you're still playing a normal game but the terrain just altered the way you can set up a little bit. You suddenly were directing the opposition through certain routes, or trying to direct the opposition through certain routes, it, it just added a bit of dynamics to the game that that I found really enjoyable. 
with regards to like throwing and passing, yep. could you pass over? So we had uh, a single small stone each um, when we deployed, which you could throw over fine, but it would actually block movement and you could punch people into. Yeah. And all of the others, the walls and the statues, you couldn't throw okay. That's so, you, so you couldn't throw through the wall, because yeah. it was wide. You could throw past the statues, but the statue would essentially have an intercept rod. Yeah. So if you threw and your template crossed one of the statues or you know, the, the tall statues, so you, yeah. you hit it as well as yeah. you and, around if, it. and if, if the statue essentially intercepted your roll, it would bounce off. Where that, where that gets you thinking is, for instance, if you had a forest filled, yeah. where a tree would take up one square, but the branches would block you throwing. See, that's a great point. I like that. It would block you throwing. It would, yeah, absolutely. How would the kick function work on a forest pitch? So we had, we did have a moment where the kick nearly landed and scattered into a wall and bounced off. But due to it, I think I'd probably every time I kick off, it needs to be a touchback anyway somehow. So <laughs> when we came to do the kick off, it was like, oh, where am I going to face the ball? Because if it lands there, it'll bounce off the wall and it'll go this direction, which was quite cool. How would a tree with that work? Uh, probably, probably the same. It just lands on the tree and scatters and ends up at the base of it in one random direction. That makes sense, yeah. Or it just, you know, scatters in several spaces. So the basic rules we ran with with the uh, with the terrain was we had um, we had a wall. It was three squares wide. You couldn't move through it. You couldn't throw past it. But you could bounce a wall, uh, bounce a ball off it, uh, as per the dungeon ball rules, which we didn't use. We had a stone statue, a big one, a small one. The idea being is you could throw past it, but it would make an intercept roll. So essentially you'd have to roll a two plus or you'd bounce it off the statue and it would scatter. And the same rule applied for all of them, which was if you got blocked into it, so if you had a pushback where you would go into the wall, you took an armour roll at plus one as if it had mighty blow. Okay. So one thing I did manage to pull off was, uh, I was losing, I think, uh, <laughs> and Rick had left one of his guys near the statue and ended up setting a, a two or three block into the statue, using it as a using it to break the armor and yes. taking a player out, which was quite cool. So those are the basic rules we used for it. There are some other terrain types out there that actually you could open up with. Now I know Rick, you're thinking about a forest pitch. What would you? What effect would you have for trees? I think it's a restricted throw. So you can't throw past them. I almost wonder if you can. You can get a ball stuck in the tree that you have to block the tree to get it down or something. I, I, I don't know. You, you, you could oh, do I, something like that. Yeah. And, and hold on. Throw a bit of a curveball here. Yep. Say that you throw a ball on a one, it gets stuck in a tree, right? <laughs> on another roll of a one, you find out that that thing's a treeman. Yeah. Someone that's nearby, almost like a bomb effect. On a four plus, he's knocked them down. And then he launches the ball 2d6. But, you know, <laughs> it, it gives you an opportunity to... But then that's uh, the know, for the rest put of a game. Put a river through a field, oh, yes, or a lava pit. Bushes would be great. So jump over bushes. So Rick and I played with upwards terrain. We chucked some walls, we chucked some statues. We had a couple of other friends of ours, Ian and Lewis, who we've also mentioned on, on the podcast. Ian is a award, multiple award-winning painter, and Lewis is good guy Lewis. Is one of the lightest person, the nicest man in the world. Rick and I played with um, 3D terrain with the walls and the statues. Uh, Ian and Lewis played on the table next to us with a, a pitch I've been working on, where it has two large segments of the wine zones just just gone. They're just gone. Mm. It's all all a big pit. Um, and the rules that I set up for them was that all of that was the same as a pitch surf. Mm-hmm. Uh, no 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 difficulties, no difference. 
The idea being, actually, it takes them a while to get back out of the hole. If they're knocked out, you know, if they're, if they're out for the game, no lasting injuries, but they're just out for the end because they're too far down the hole to come back on. And they had an absolutely crazy game. They did, didn't they? I'm not sure they played bubble. I think they just spent most of the time pushing each other down the holes. <laughs> so, you know, these... <laughs> it was, there were quite big, uh, quite big gaps. So two, two gaps wide and about six, six squares long, which led to a lot of pushing. But it looked a lot of fun as well. I know that you were talking about traps as well. Yeah. Traps, pits. There's rules for those in Dungeon Bowl. Well, for those of you that remember the second edition Blood Bowl, there were there were rules for traps. Okay. There as well, and yeah, you know, trampoline traps or physically making a board and having that on there was just—I mean, that 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 board that you made was fantastic to watch, and the guys were having a ride at it the was time. Great fun, even like me and Milton were playing a separate game down the way. It was great fun just to listen to the, the whooping and hollering and then, no! <laughs> and it was just brilliant. But I was thinking, with those types of pitches, talking about the forest pitch, talking about the, the ones with the hole, you can make some seriously good thematic pitches out of that. Like, that's that's a wood elf home pitch right there. You yeah. can maybe make a glade out of the middle of it so you get that sort of free air and the rest yeah. you've got trees dotted about. The, the, the one with the holes in the side could easily be a chaos pitch. Like without or a Nurgle pit, something like that, where you've got that pot of blood down the side or something yeah. like that. I wonder if you could come up with something for a multi-floored little steps that. How that great would that be? Two, two end zones at the bottom. You can go up or down. So I was looking at um, one of the rules packs for um, one of the tournaments that are coming up. Um, I think it's the Santi Slam. Forgive me if it isn't, but. They've got uh, the different rounds of the competition. They have different special rules. And on one of them, you set up three teleporters on each side of your pitch. So I'd set up three teleporters on my side. Then they will scatter. So you can't put them directly where they end. But the idea being is that you're playing Blood Bowl, but you also have little teleporters you can bounce around on. Beautiful. So I think having a Blood Bowl game is just a couple of random elements to change up the game, whether it's holes in the ground, whether it's teleporters, whether it's walls to smack people into and, mm. and change the blocking lanes, because that was one of the things I found really interesting, was I was playing against your vampires, and there was a, a gap that was maybe two or three squares wide. I could hold it with one guy. Yes. You couldn't run around it. You had to go through him, which really slowed that, that angle down. Um, and I think anything that you can chuck on very easily to a Blood Bowl pitch and change up the game and make it new and make it different challenges, I think it was great fun. And it can be different every time. And to be fair, I think that's, that's very in keeping with the game. It is very, yeah, I you, think. You, you know, it, it's... Well, you get the Chaos Cup. In the in the, the whole lore of Blood Bowl, you get the Chaos Cup. The person who scores the last touchdown in the Chaos Cup final gets a mutation. I'm sure that's what it is. Like the Chaos Gods have decided that that person is... The be all and end all, and, and you get a free mutation. You know, you could have something. You could have something like a, a chaos cup. Every turn, you roll a dice, <laughs> and if a number comes up, a chasm appears randomly. Brilliant. You know, that would be great. You, you could just add these random events in that. You could almost have a set thing for each number, one through to six, and then every time you pick up the ball, if it's to do with something that you spend ages rolling everything all the time. Make it on a turnover. On a turnover. Yes. Just for a cinematic reason. Just for, actually, you don't always get turnovers, but you regularly, no. most of the time is that, 
could be boom, a guy tries to knock a guy out, he falls over, lands on a, a tough bit of ground, which causes some, some other part of the pitch to collapse. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that. That would be just, like, great random So you could have another... Do you remember uh, in the old Space Marine game they had the Vortex missile? Oh, yeah. You could have some sort of Vortex randomly be going around the field... <laughs> Almost sending like an endless players spell. to the reserve box or something. Yeah, like an endless spell. Or a monster. So we just had a giant spider drop from uh, Richard's ceiling onto his computer in the, in the background. It was so loud that we could hear it. And, I had to, <laughs> and undoubtedly, I had to edit the crashing sound out. But, you know, actually, on that picture with the big holes in the ground, you can have monsters. Yes. You can have ro- wire, you know, wandering monsters, a wandering tree man in the pitch. You, know, you have that tree, the ball gets lodged in it, someone blocks it, someone gets pushed into the tree, or on a full class, it becomes a tree man. Or a giant. Man, yeah, or a giant, and that just blitzes every time. Obviously, we here at the Bonehead Podcast love random rules. Could it work in a league environment? Yeah. Yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. It sounds like something that would probably be better on a tournament basis. So, round one, you're in the wood pitch. Round two, you're in the cave pitch. Something like that. Something where you've got that, that change up every time. Because otherwise, all you're doing is making a stadium without making a stadium. That's really true. So, they are, you know, these kind of rules are very similar to the stadiums that are out in the death zones. And we found that we don't want to use those in a league environment because it throws out the balance a bit too much. Now, I think that could probably be countered a little bit, even by... Allowing anyone that partakes in a stadium or with stadium special rules, you know, an extra D3 times 10 gold at the end of the building. You know what? Because it gets the fans interested. You know, play with a, a, a you know, a play enough pitch that's got holes in it. You're going to get more fans watching it. You're going to get more money. But, so I think in a league environment, so we're about to start, you know, Wobble 4, our fourth season, you know, something like actually, yeah, if you want to use stadium rules, you get an extra 10,000 at the end of the, end of the pitch. If you want to play with, you know, more dangerous balls, you get an extra D3 times 10, so you can have that, right? Do you want to use a stadium? Uh, I do need the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let's but... play with a dangerous stadium so that I can try and get that extra gold back. Yeah. But you counted off by the fact that I might lose my more answer, but I've, I've lost one already. I need some money fast. Let's play in a risky stadium with holes in the ground to get more money from that. That's think... risky for all. Yeah. It's not just risky for you. No, so I think in a league environment, having that choice would be quite fun. I like the idea of stadiums. I, I certainly think tournament style is a good idea to get some practice in and and uh, trial it. Oh, I think a one day tournament, a one day terrain tournament, would be great fun. Yeah, and also because I'm a war gamer at heart, so I started with right at the beginning of the game, we each put three pieces of terrain down, and then we roll off to choose the side. Having that in Blood Bowl, that game we played, was actually kind of like, oh, this is quite. Yeah, cool. I really enjoyed changing sides. Yeah, because it completely changes up your lanes and your goals, and it was yeah. really interesting. And I would love to play that again. Yeah, I would too. Um, but it could be something that's fun. It's actually, you know, what you got to, you each bring three pieces of terrain. Total amount is twelve squares. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, you not can. even three pieces of terrain. Just you get nine squares worth of terrain. You can have one big three by three piece if you want. Giant. You can have nine columns. <laughs> you know, it just could be a really interesting way of, of changing up the game without changing it up that much. No, you keep you, you and I, the rules, aren't you? Yeah, we were still playing Blood Bowl. Yes, we were. Your your vampires still played like vampires. My Skaven still very much played like Skaven. Yes. <laughs> it was just that extra element of tactical changing. Which I thought yeah. was really interesting. Yeah, I thought it's good fun. 
So that's terrain and obstacles in Blood Bowl. Um, as always, if anyone out there has used any rules like this or has any feedback or any ideas, please drop us a line because we'd love to hear from you. Okay, so that takes us to the star player of the week. Yes. Richard, what have we got this week? We have got a Saurus and Slan available player by the name of Slibli. S-L-I-B-L-I. I have experience of using Slibli. Used him, her, it, against Lewis when we played um, Lizards versus Nizards. Ah, this is your Tyranid team. It was my Tyranids, my Tyranids. Who was more of a punt, really, because it seemed thematic and, and quite enjoyable, but turned out to be a real thorn in Lizard's side. Lewis's side. I've got too many Lizards on my mind. <laughs> a real thorn in Lewis's side. Movement of seven, strength of four, agility of one, armour of nine. So, basically a, a slightly faster Saurus Warrior Yeah, is all they are. Along with loner, there's block, grab, guard, and stand firm. So, put him in a position alongside a, a couple of other players and, and he can cause real problems. Guard is like guard along with another couple of other Sauruses. Basically you've got a line of a line of strength five Saurus. I found all of the the traits there brilliant. I, at one point I was feeding skinks to my Croxigal by using grab. So you played lizards against lizards. Lizards against one. lizards, yeah. And I was literally grabbing Lewis's lizards, Lewis's skinks. Every time it was a dodge roll or a or a push move, uh, sorry, a dodge, a dodge um, result or a push result, and literally just passed them over to whoever was next so using was grab, using the grab skill. So Slibly comes in at two hundred and fifty thousand worth every piece of gold for me. When you when you get to that kind of territory, you you've got that internal up. So if you if you're down two hundred and fifty thousand, you've got to do the question of is it worth a halfling shift? Yes, I think so, because the Halfling Chef, yes, you could end up with three extra rerolls, provided that you win a 50-50 dice roll on each, on each roll. Whereas with this guy, other than Loner, he's, he's a fairly safe bet. Strength 4 with Block is brilliant. Yep. I mean, you know, Saurus Warriors, Black Orb Blockers, Chaos Warriors, you're desperately after Block, so he comes with that. Grab, you said, is brilliant for setting up additional blocks on players. Yep. Guard, he just helps everyone he's next to. Stand firm, did that come in handy at all? Yeah, because they can't push him out of the way. So he just stands there. And he can still retain his guard. The guys who are in base contact with him have plus one strength, so they're not going anywhere either. No. That is a heck of a front line. He, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I think I beat Lewis 3 now. Amazing. And the only difference... So you'd recommend using him again then? Oh, 100%. I've made him. So this is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a Slibly Saurus. Oh, a Slibly star player made. So this coming weekend at the Mana Bowl, I'm using a Lizardman team. You can take star players. So, I don't know. I feel a bit disingenuous using a Saurus in a Stunty League. But this, yeah, could be a really great choice for some extra muscle. But 250k. It's a lot of money. It's this core of your hip. So I take it you were playing your new Lizardman team. Your new Lizardman, yeah, so it was Lewis stopped one team. million and against his league team. Brilliant. But it, it made such a big difference. It really did. I didn't run as many skinks. I only ran five skinks. Well, that's probably about right. I think Lewis only took four to start off with, yeah. It was just fantastic. Really, really couldn't like praise it enough, really. If I could make him a permanent feature, <laughs> I'd be more than happy to, to build a team around him. 
You'd have to run a very cheap team for that. You would have to run a very cheap team for that. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question. Him or Morgan Thorpe? Him. Really? The, the price difference. What are you getting? You're getting one extra movement. You're getting two less strength. But yeah. then when you're looking at strength four amongst the team, which has got a lot of strength fours, it's not that much to lose you know, because you've got an automatic strength five with guard. Morg doesn't have guard. But he does have edge three. So this guy's got movement seven, which is really good. But edge one, so he can't carry a ball. He's not carrying ball, which is also quite good in a league environment because you don't want your star players scoring SPP. Yes. Mm. I mean, that's something that you found before with uh, whip arm. Yes. With blue grip whip arm. Is that he provides the ball to other players. Yes. Which means he doesn't actually atrophy you. Now some of the elf star players, or even Griff, yeah. they're all scorers. Yeah. And I, I had a similar issue with Morg when I played you. Yes. Because he caused three casualties. Yeah, of course, he's, he's lapping up the SPP. But I didn't get it anywhere else. But from the looks of it, Slibley's a great support player yes. that can actually take a punch. So you could be running seven Sauruses at Croxable, and, you know, two of them are plus one strength. Yeah, that's yeah. That is a massive, ta- and massive table turner. Yeah, you can you can really dictate play, and I've not really experienced any players with grab previously, but he was handy. You can start moving him into to the pathway of guys on the edge, move him onto the edge and shove him off the pitch, and you're not even trying anything, all because of a move a, a push move. Push run. There's a lot more opportunity to use a player that's not costing so much. Yes, I can't really praise him enough. That's like it, it really was a game changer, and we know how strong Lewis's lizards are. Yeah. Okay. And so, <laughs> don't, don't you <laughs> Using Slibley, I took out his crops on turn one or two. That's fantastic. And purely because of the card. So, we're big on start players here. We are. Massive um, start players. <clears throat> Have you had a chance to use very many of them, Rick? No. Is that mostly because you start with. Uh, because you end up playing 1 million flat games. No. I just tended to go for the re-roll for the Halfling Chef. Yeah. Uh, and I think, in hindsight, with a little bit of regret, I think I'd rather try and... I, I played I half elf in my la- high elf in my last league. See. And although at that stage there was less elf choices of star player. Yeah, we've had some more come uh, out. Now recently. we've got some more that's come mm-hmm. out. I, I think I'd like to, to start... Having a go. So, what kind of price points do you think are are good ones for star players? Because I think less than two hundred, you know, round about the one hundred and fifty mark is a really great price point for a star player. Yeah. I think when you're pushing three hundred, it really does bring in that question of, do I take the half chef or do I run this star player? Yeah. And I think I know you say with a bit of regret, but what you were doing by taking the half chef was just trying to make the team you already had more efficient. Mm-hmm. And which would have kept your team progressing better in a league environment. I think that's yeah. a really, I think that's a pretty safe shout. Yeah, that's why I like the star players that are one fifty, one sixty, like you, Grip, which you've said, um, Rich, you've had a lot of success mm. with, and you know all the special weapon players. They're only a hundred, only hundred and fifty k. Yeah, I used Halfling Shep a lot when I was practicing against uh, James. I wasn't getting much for 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 the money spent, and looking back on it. I would have been better off taking a, a helmet or something yeah, similar to be able to start taking things out. Look, look, I think I think you're dead right, Ben. In a league situation, you, you want to build your own team up. You don't want your star players getting star player points and, and taking that away from mm. the growth of your team. But I would certainly like to be playing more games where I, I have an option to choose 
and play with some of these star players that are out there. I think that's a great shout because they are so interesting. And here we like playing football in different ways. And chucking some star players in is actually a great... It changes your team. It does something different. Mm. So I know you guys were talking earlier about some kind of star player allowance. Yes. And and having a, a set limit. So if you want to take a, a Morgan Thorpe, that's all well and good. But your opponent could be having two players that total up to the same amount or up to a set amount. So if it's a, a 450 limit, which would have taken into account the likes of Morgan Thorpe, because he's at 430. I think so, yeah. If I remember rightly. I could get for that Luca Rippal and Guppel Possible, mm. which gives me a throw around a catch there. So if we if we had a tournament afternoon or something where you you had a, a one million gold team plus four hundred and fifty points worth of star player allowance, yep. Or we'll just to build around it. Or we'll just yeah. chuck in four hundred and fifty points of inducements. Or yeah, yeah. So they can have their choice, but it means you're going to pick up something. You're not just going to go for one of three extra rerolls and, and eighteen cakes. Yeah, huh. not seventeen. Um, not seventeen. <laughs> I, I, yeah, because some of the star players are really cheap, so it gives you that option of taking those guys and buying it out. But it means you can run morgue, and yeah. you could technically do what uh, goblin players do and run your team at eight hundred, so you can have seven hundred points of um, of inducements yeah. for bribes and star players. But it means that the guys who play one million top tier, one one point five tier teams get to use those guys. So Rick, you said high elves. High elves, in fact, elf teams, they don't get to use star players very often. No. Because their team value is always so high. They're playing against other guys. Guys die, but the linemen you chuck in there are almost as expensive as, as positionals. Because mm. I know that you're a fan of... Well, what's the um, elf star player that's coming out soon that you're excited it's about? Jordell. Jordell Freshbreeze. Mm. Now, I know we don't like to talk about more than one star player in a single session, because <laughs> otherwise it goes on forever. But um, Jordell is 260. And he's got an absolute ton of skills. You wouldn't normally take him, I don't think, in a league. Because if you're down that much, you're going to try and buffer your team up. Yeah. But running some kind of... Uh, I don't know. It could even be a, a pitch. A pitch star. I mean, like, actually, we're going, to, we're going to play in the star player bowl this week. So week three of the league, everybody gets 500 points. 500 gold to spend on inducements. Yeah. Star player week. Yeah. We're going to run star player week, actually... I'm gonna take a, you know, I'm gonna take a mercenary, di- a mercenary death roll, death roll off my dwarfs, and barrack fire blast. Yeah. Yeah. And it would just be great fun to get those players out. Just something that's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would, I would love to see the star players being used more often. I, I get in a league, it's perhaps not not so appropriate, but I, I think we should be running some yeah, games. Because we can't do the, the the random weeks. Yeah. We're just going. You know what? There's been an influx of money from the matches played over the last two weeks as a result the commissioner has released 500k to each player to each team sorry to bring in inducements to bring in inducements I think that'd be great fun go nuts so that's all we're going to talk about with star players this time around so thank you very much for joining us here at the Bonehead Podcast and thank you very much Rick for joining us on this very special occasion my pleasure thank you for having me okay see you next episode and remember two heads aren't always better than one